Honestly, mate, you you wouldn't even know what to fucking do if I wasn't here. I'm trying. Struggle wiping your own bottom. Hey, hey, hey. One time. <laughs> <laughs> One time I asked for help and I'm never going to ask it again. <laughs> And I'm Dave. And disaster season continues. And just like a natural disaster, we're continuing to rain down unwanted assaults on most of your senses. <laughs> and this week, we're putting the 1996 action-adventure film Twister on trial. Is it right foot green or is it left hand brown? Don't, don't get it, sorry. <laughs> I get the left hand brown bit, but what's the right foot green bit? <laughs> Well, I, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, but just, just don't overthink it, man. Just, just... <laughs> just go with left hand brown. Got it. Just, 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 can't you just be like a simpering yes man and just nod and laugh? <laughs> <laughs> now, essentially, will this film be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list? Would you rather have I said, is it left hand, left hand brown or is it? Oh. Oh. You might have to cut that bit. Either. You're, better, Neither. you're better than this guy. Yeah. Than this. <laughs> anyway, I'm moving on. Now, before we go on, our last film on trial was Independence Day. <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was. I've written down here Armageddon, and I was like, no, it wasn't. And I was like, what, the, what the hell did we do last Try week? again. Independence Day, yeah. I, and I judged that trial, and I deemed that it should be placed on the hit list. I've since gone away, and I've watched the film, so did I make the right call or not? The truth is, I, I think so. There were a lot of bits I did enjoy about it. Like I did like the special effects. I think I did think they, they held up pretty well by today's standards. And I also, apologies, Alex, had no issues whatsoever with the use of miniatures. <laughs> that was a big feature of your argument last week, but I actually quite enjoyed it. So but, that wasn't an issue for me. I mean, I, I enjoy miniatures in like the Thunderbirds. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> what about Ray Harryhausen films? How are they? Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> Independence Day. No, no, no. When it, when you remember that building, when you remember the, the White House blowing up and it's just it looks like something I could make. Yeah, not good. <laughs> well, I mean, the, my biggest issue was something else that you alluded to, Alex, was that it was a little too flag shaggy apart. And the characters in the general plot were a little weaker than I would have liked. But I, I did think that the action the special effects, um, one thing that you did mention, which I thought was really good, was the use of practical effects as well. So like the makeup uh, of the alien and the spacecraft as well were really great. And uh, the performances I thought were generally pretty good, especially from Will Smith, who I thought was, was very good in this. So it did make it overall uh, an enjoyable watch. So I think it is on the right list, but I would completely understand if I bumped into somebody and they said like, oh, Independence Day is a shit film. I wouldn't be like, what? No way. Yeah, I, yeah, I, could, yeah. I could see where they're coming from, definitely. Anyway, now we're on to the trial. All of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. So acting in defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list is Dave. Now, I... I I'd started writing my notes before I watched the film, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And the characters were so fucking generic and bland. That Easy. Easy. The trial. Easy. I decided instead to liken everybody to uh, natural disasters. So okay. Dave is just like an earthquake. 
There's always a lot of friction when he's involved, and any disturbances are usually his fault. <laughs> nice. But geography joke uh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Really branching out with your jokes there. From from right right hand pink to a to a geography joke. Pretty impressive. I know I've just got such an eclectic, diverse range. <laughs> Speaking of which, joining Dave is Alex, who is just like a blizzard. Very fast, but with reduced visibility. <laughs> and acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the hit list is Joel. And Joel is just like an avalanche, an unalarming slow presence at first, which quickly picks up speed. On one hand, incredibly cold, and on the other hand, able to effortlessly burn you, but on both counts, causing untold damage. <laughs> It's quite apt. That's our Joel. <laughs> and joining Joel this week is me, and I'm just like a tornado, comprised of deadly winds. <laughs> what about a mudslide? <laughs> <laughs> I shared the results of my last colonoscopy with you in private. <laughs> now, just like real court advocates, the defence and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions, though. So do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear what they really think. And in the role of judge, who has to decide which list this film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to him, is Ozzy. And Ozzy is just like a flood. Even a few inches can be devastating. Jesus. No comment from everybody. No, no comment, no comment. <laughs> Waiting for Gav to move along. <laughs> Okay, now before we get started, I think that we should probably give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So why don't we spin the wheel of impressions? And this week it has landed on Aussie. So what we do here is we read out the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. So Aussie, how would we like Aussie to read out the synopsis? So just a sudden drawl again. I mean, we've done it many times, yeah. but mm. what about like, uh, like he's in a tornado? Or a tornado <laughs> <Yeah>. Brilliant, <laughs> much better. Yeah. How, how's your uh, how's your startled cow impression? <laughs> <laughs> That's <was> pretty good. <laughs> Bill and <laughs> Yo Harding. <laughs> Advanced on storm chasers on the brink of divorce <laughs> must join together. <laughs> Sorry, getting dizzy. It's, it's yeah. a long one to do that to, yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a long get, one. Going to be getting dizzy uh, very soon. Uh, do you know create, what? I, I got, sorry, I try was... To create an, an advanced weather alert system by putting themselves in the crosshairs of extremely violent tornadoes. Sometimes I wish this was a visual <laughs> yeah. so people could see just what Ozzy was doing to commit for that. Yeah, Ozzy was truly, I was, it was like I was watching Twister all over again with Ozzy being caught in a tornado there, albeit with slightly better visual effects. Yeah, uh, save it for the trial. <laughs> Without further hesitation, Ozzy, would you like to please kick off proceedings? Yes. Joel, would you like to please kick off proceedings? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to start with Joel. Joel looks like he's got a lot to say about this one. I know we don't normally start with our, uh, you're prosecuting, aren't you, Joel? I am prosecuting. Yeah, we um, don't normally start on a prosecution. I like to hear the defense first, but 
this time around, I think it'd be nice to to mix it up a bit and hear some like the defense. Throwing a bit of a curveball to the defense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, right. what what would you like to know? Well, give me a little overview of why you think this is so shit. And then Gav's tried to put in the knife a few times before we've we've even started. And very unprofessional. <laughs> yeah. But well, basically, uh... I've done the old fucking Joaquin Phoenix and Gladiator. <laughs> And I've stabbed you in the lung before you've even got up. Before against. even in the arena. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, 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 obviously it's called Twister, so it's about storm chasers. And um, these people, they develop like a little fancy piece of technology that is like brand new. And if they get it inside this massive storm, then it's going to give them, you know, a ton of information, the likes of which the world has never seen. So... Um, that's kind of like the basic plot. Uh, but that's kind of it in a nutshell, really. There kind of is no plot. Everything that the main characters do in this film is just to kind of push the plot along. And of course, you can have, uh, you know, suspending your disbelief type of thing in, in disaster films. But the, the, there's just too much here. They're just constantly chasing storms and doing things that, you know, real storm chasers wouldn't do. Not only that, mm-hmm. but the tornadoes, they're happening like every other day. And the level of destruction is absolutely insane. Like if it continued at this rate, the world would literally be gone. Like that's how bad it is that they start off with like, a, I think they call them like F1s or something, which is like the lowest. And then it goes up to an F5, which is a record breaking storm, which of course happens uh, at the end of this film. But there's like, a, I think it starts off with like an, an F1. Then the vehicle crashes into a ditch. It destroys. It destroys the car. Then it, the next day they have like an F two. Then that kind of destroys like a school or something like that. And it, it just kind of goes on like this and gets more and more ridiculous. But the big kind of uh, culmination of the plot is the, the F five tornado, which apparently is first um, found out by uh, like TV broadcasters. You'd think, you know. Maybe people who study the weather would know that first, but you know that's not the case mm. here. But um, yeah, so so they find out there's going to be an F five tornado, which is like you know a record breaking tornado, the biggest the world has ever seen. They have to get these two, uh, I think they call them like Dorothy sensors into the uh, tornado, which, as I say, once it's in there, will give them a host of information that you know they can use to track tornadoes and further kind of understand how they work. So that's kind of the end goal. But uh, basically, the, the way it ends is they, uh, the two main characters, uh, they drive their big truck into a tornado using cruise control. And then obviously they're in the path of this massive tornado. So what they do is they run inside this barn house and there's like this, um, it's like piping which goes underground, but there's like a little bit that sticks out. So they wrap themselves uh, in this rope and they cling onto this pipe. And when I watched it, I thought, you know, that seems like bullshit to me. So <laughs> what, 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 it took you that long in the film to get. <laughs> what I did was I googled it. I googled like how realistic uh, twist it actually is, and lo and behold, like it's extremely unrealistic. But what would <laughs> what would actually happen is either the two main characters would be just cut to pieces by d- debris, or you know because they've like strapped themselves into these. Uh, you know pipes they would just like their limbs would just like basically dissect from their bodies and fly about all over the place 
So I think I would have preferred that ending, to be honest. <laughs> Just to see them, uh, you know, kind of get disintegrated because we'll go into characters a little bit later. Um, but, you know, that's a kind of brief overview of the plot. And in my opinion, the plot is so nonsensical that they just push it forward for the sake of, you know, seeing things blow up and getting the CGI on the screen. That's literally the entire point of the film. Alex, um, I mean, I, it sounds great. It sounds sounds crazy. However, it is, you know, it is basically the starting sequence of Thor, one of the one of the best Marvel <laughs> films. So you're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, so on a scale of one to Jane from Thor, how good at chasing storms? Are these 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 people i don't give a shit if they're good at t- chasing storms or not to be honest like joel said at the end you know this is just like driving a plot forward to throw tornadoes into your face and just do the bat- most batshit crazy stuff and i completely agree with him like i don't disagree with him at all i'd say it's unfair what joel was saying about the plot i think there's a bit more to the plot there's like a romance that's between bill paxton helen hunt uh, joe and bill that's you know he's she's been hurt for him he's lost his way and, the, you know, he's trying to get the divorce papers signed because things haven't gone well in their past. And he's got this uh, new fiance that he's going to marry. And so there's a bit more going on there. And But there's just a lot of batshit crazy stuff that's going on in Twister. This is not obviously not a realistic film and it is not intending to be a realistic film on Twister. So I don't think anyone's watching Twisters. It's the same way Jaws is not a realistic look at great white sharks. Do you know what I mean? This is just a it's an entertaining look at tornadoes and no one's going into these blockbusters thinking oh my god you know if if any tornado expert would just find it fun i would imagine there's so much fun stuff in twister there's these the the scientists that you know joe and bill work with are these guerrilla science dudes that sort of you know eat pizza and you know run around and you know wear wear, wear old clothes and stuff like that and they're fighting against the man which is like kerry elwes's guys who all have like you know all these corporate shills basically Bill is this, it's just amazing. It's just this magic wind man. There's just so many funny bits in this film. And, I, and sometimes you don't know if you're laughing at it or with it. But does yeah, it matter sometimes? It. Well, does it, it matter sometimes? Because I'm just enjoying myself. I mean, I re- and I really am. There's this bit where he picks up, he picks up sand and it drops through his hand. And he just, he understands the sky, Bill. Do you know what I mean? It's absolutely ridiculous. He sees the weather and it's like he's a, he's, they call him the human barometer. It's just batshit stuff. And he, he sees what others cannot. There's uh, Jill's got a score to settle. It's a personal thing that Jill has with tornadoes because a tornado killed her dad. And so all the way through the film. Did I say Jill? Yeah. Joe, sorry, Bill and Jill. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Joe uh, has got a a score to settle because right at the beginning, a tornado kills her dad. So for her, you know, she's trying to really (laughs) kill these tornadoes. Do you know what I mean? Or the idea is she's trying to create a warning system. So that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to stop the destruction of tornadoes. A little bit of seriousness in a in a batshit film it's just got these lovely bits where you know it's it's this real sort of like raw down south oklahoma sort of american way of looking at things where therapists you know who are therapists who needs to go talk to a therapist and you know corporate kiss butts you know this language that he used calling people wieners and stuff like that and then you know they have these like they have red meat and eggs when they're all uh, eating together i just think it's a really it's a really really fun film full of some really like enjoyable bits and like I, I you know and, and I would say it doesn't matter if you're laughing at it or with it I, I just think it's an entertaining view there are some good lines in it 
and there's just some great sequences. I'm sorry, but my favourite sequence is just when, and it's not meant to be funny, but it is funny anyway, is when they're all sat around the table and, and Bill, Bill's fiance, who's dressed in this really nice suit and stuff like that, she doesn't get him. Do you know what I mean? She doesn't, you know, she's not a, she's not a real person. She's not American. You know, she's a, a reproductive therapist. You know, she's not, she's not a Oklahoma lass. And like they're all talking around the table and all these people are laughing, saying, like, oh, remember I'm watching an F1, this, you know, on this scale of tornadoes. F1s, they're all great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. F2s, oh my God, that's really good. Do you think we'd ever see an F3 or an F4? And oh my God, and everyone's laughing, laughing, <laughs> yeah. laughing. And she just does like the natural thing where she goes, hey, has, has anyone ever seen an F5? And literally like everyone throws down their plates and just looks really awkwardly down like... You basically like you callous bitch. <laughs> like <laughs> Joe's dad was killed by an F5. How could you? How could you bring this up again? You know, obviously no one says that. I'm not saying they do, but it's just these funny bits that are just like I still talk about that now with my family about Twister, and it. It's not meant to be funny though, is it? You make it sound <laughs> like but, it's comedy, but it is but it's funny. But so so whether it is meant to be or not. It's definitely so not trying to be a serious Jim's list is funny. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it, it, it's not quite the same. It's not trying to be a serious take on tornadoes and the effect, the devastating effect that tornadoes have on communities. So it can get away with laughing with and at it, I think. And it does. It's great. It's great fun. Uh, Gav, you've had your, your virtual hand up quite politely in spite of you butting in several times regardless of that. <laughs> but, um, but go on, you've got a little bit of a rebuttal, carry on. Yeah, uh, so a couple of things they missed out about the, the insignificant plot is that Bill and Joe are married, but uh, Bill is travelling to meet Joe and her ragtag madcap crew. You couldn't write them of scientists. Because he wants someone Joe did. to, someone, did. <laughs> someone unfortunately did because <laughs> uh, Bill wants Joe to sign the divorce papers. He brings his his very nice fiance along for the ride, and then just proceeds to ghost her throughout. <laughs> the, the, so the the Dorothy that they're talking about is, as Joel said, it's like some sort of um, MacGuffin gadget that basically you throw into the middle of a tornado, and it gives you valuable scientific data, which allow you to detect storms sooner in the future, or some bullshit. Bill, like his his character motivation is essentially like it's just, it's just waves. Like at the at the beginning, he's like, I want my wife to sign this this uh, these divorce papers, and her and her crew go, Do you want to go and chase a tornado? And he's like, Go on then, yeah. And like Alex mentioned about Carrie Elways, he's this sort of bad guy who has a group of of baddies who are essentially just corporately funded scientists but we're supposed to look at them like they're fucking evil creatures <laughs> but they've essentially copied the dorothy design and they want to try and beat joe and her gang to the punch yeah it's an action film and it is all about tornadoes so you would expect a lot of tornadoes but i never thought i'd say this there were just too many tornadoes it's basically two hours of the same thing happening over and over and over again. Two hours already is quite a fairly long film, but because it's there's so much repetition, it feels so much, much longer. As Alex said, you know, you start off with an F1, and then you like, oh, the next, you know, there's an F1, let's send a Dorothy into it, it didn't work. Then there's an F2, okay, let's send Dorothy 2.0 into it, that doesn't work. And it keeps on going and going and going until there's like a, an F5 and a Dorothy 4. Like, your, your brain is just turned into mashed potatoes by this point. It's a film about tornadoes, what was he meant to do? Like, bring an earthquake into the mix just to mix things up? Like, they're obviously just going to be set pieces with different tornadoes, isn't it? In, that many in increasing tornadoes threat. back to back to back. You know what I would have liked? Like, some sort of respite 
fight. You know, when you watch Jurassic Park, it isn't just like a sequence of just bigger dinosaurs attacking the main group, is it? You know, like there is... <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say that's exactly what no, Jurassic no, Park no, is, there's, there's to be honest. Much, much Someone's already mentioned Jaws here. It's a little bit like watching Jaws. Like, oh, another shark attack. Jesus Christ. What are the odds? Oh, yeah, the but... shark's in the goddamn water no, again. No, eating you, people you again. Jaws is like, um, you know, like a like a comparison type of thing but people in Jaws don't sw- they don't go oh there's Jaws I'll swim towards him I'll jump in, I'll swim him. <laughs> yeah. in this they were if they were trying to put sensors in him if they were shark chasers in for a way. living <laughs> if they had a job as a shark chaser they would absolutely exactly what they would what's that fucking job a storm chaser anyway at the end oh, of the film, me. Robert Shaw pretty much does sail right towards the shark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but the thing is, is that's one shark, right? Spielberg is very good at not revealing the shark too soon, creating that sort of like air of terror and fear before actually, you know, we start ramping it up. This, within about the first 15 minutes, there's a big fucking tornado that nearly kills somebody. And then about another 15 minutes later, there's there's an even bigger tornado and it keeps on going and going and going. It's fucking preposterous. But the thing is, is that this film is too serious. It's so much more serious than it should be. Alex says that, like, it's quite funny. Unintentionally, that's, that's the key word here. Unintentionally, it's a film about people chasing tornadoes. I thought it'd be very action heavy, but a bit light and silly, but it's just not. They never take a moment to acknowledge just how fucking ridiculous all of this is. There's a scene later on. I mentioned Bill brings his fiance to, to the storm chase and she breaks it off with the, she breaks off the engagement with Bill and she says it's because she can't compete with his need to chase tornadoes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's delivered with such po-faced seriousness that it's just too hard not to laugh. I'm sorry. It's honestly, it's, it's not good, man. Uh, Alex, you can have a very small one. Then it would be nice to hear from Dave, who's sure, the only person who actually likes the film here. Who might give me a <laughs> genuine, a genuine defense of the film rather than it's so. No, I, I, I do like the film, I, and I would, <laughs> I would genuinely defend it. I do think there's very many good parts in it. I just think there's also things you can laugh a bit at it. Like it's not a serious film. Gav's saying it's po-faced and serious. It, it's not at all. And also, just the one thing I'd like to say is it does have bits where you're laughing with it as well so like one of the bits where you know gav you know she does have that line where she says you know uh you know i, I can't compete <laughs> with you chasing the, tornadoes, the tornadoes but there's another bit but there's another bit earlier on when she realizes you know what she's getting herself into with him when she says oh when you said you chased ch- uh, tornadoes i always thought it was a metaphor and you know not that you actually chase tornadoes which i thought was a good funny line so it's not i maybe maybe overdid it by saying i laugh or just at it you can laugh with the film as well. It is not the serious film Gab is making it out to how be. Could, how, could, how could she not know? It's like you you say to somebody, oh, yeah, I used to teach kids. Well, I, I thought that was a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> how could you not know what I did for a living for like 15 years? Katie has no idea what I do. She <laughs> I've no idea what many of you do, if I'm honest. <laughs> I think Joel might be a spy. <laughs> Whose side? I'm I'll deny that though, can I? Well, uh, well, <laughs> Whose side, Ozzy? For the last, the last three years, he's been kept in this white box and I've never uh, <laughs> never seen him outside of there. I've never seen him in real life. He might safe, think, and he's only allowed to do this just so that we think he's safe. 
Yeah, he's actually he's actually like a hundred feet down below the surface. <laughs> Wait a second now. Someone someone watching them would be like, hang on, they're on yeah. to him. Send him that fake dog again. Send him the fake dog for him to play with or, or the baby. Give him something to make him look <laughs> uh, so, so Dave, maybe you can um wrap it just a little bit on the on the story there that yeah, I would I would like to sounds, it it sounds relatively straightforward. You know, with somebody wants to make a scientific breakthrough. They want to be famous as a scientist for early warning tornado systems. Give me a you know more of an overview. Just what's the, there must be more to it than just that. Gav sold this story about Carrie Elway's character being a baddie. This team of baddies that are like monsters and we hate them. It's like that's not true. They're not really. It, Carrie Elway's character Jonas is a bit of a, an ass. That's about it. He's not the bad guy. He's just a bit of an ass. He used to work with Bill and Joe back in the day when they were all a team, and uh, he basically stole Bill's design. That's why he's a bit of an ass. He's not the bad guy by any stretch. You know, towards the end of the film, when they're chasing down that final tornado, the F5, he's closing in with his team and he's got the, the design that he ripped off and Bill's closing in with Joe. And it's like it, Jonas is closer. So they give Jonas advice over the radio. He doesn't take it and ends up being killed by the tornado. But they're giving him advice, uh, saying he needs to anchor Do uh, Dorothy so he can get it into the tornado. They're giving him good advice, what they've learned through trial and error, trying to get the... Uh, the tornado to take the sensors it's not about fame it's not about oh we've got to do it before him it's about getting the information they need so they can have an early warning system you know since joe lost her father to a tornado because they didn't have enough time her aunt's almost killed by one later in the film it's it's all about time it's about getting that early warning system so it's not about good versus evil that's been oversold that's not what the film's about it doesn't have an antagonist as such the antagonist that we haven't really gone on to here is the twisters themselves there's something remarkable about this. And Gav hinted at it when he said about, you know, in Jaws, Spielberg doesn't show you the shark. You don't see the F5 that kills Joe's dad. You see the family running in terror to the shelter. And then a dad gets ripped out of the shelter as he's trying to hold the door closed. You don't actually see what killed him, much like the shark in Jaws. And you see these little tornadoes, you know, ones that are relatively harmless. You know, they destroy a car, maybe destroy a cinema screen, nothing too major. But then the F5 at the end, that is your deus ex machina. That is the finger of God, as a character calls it earlier in the film. This is something to behold. When you finally do see the shark, this monstrous tornado, which is the worst thing you could imagine, is this tornado of nightmares. That's a real moment. You know, it's not over salty. You still get that, holy shit, moment when you see this monstrous act of nature unfolding before you. And the way the tornadoes are introduced, like I say, it's almost like they are the antagonist in a way, but they're a lot more like a wild animal. like the shark in Jaws. You get this like growling in the distance as the, as the pressure's changing. You know, people's TVs, the old old TVs that they used to have in America did used to be affected by pressure changes when, when a tornado was inbound. That was as good an early warning system as you used to be able to get in the 80s. Um, so the, the, the TVs start going, you know, the wind changes, you can see barometers moves like something's coming. Something, and it is like the precursor of the da, da. Dun, dun. and it does have that effect you know the growl of these tornadoes the destruction they cause it is like you're dealing with a monster or a wild animal here and it's very effective it really is draw you in. it does draw you in and it, it really does get this presence you know the feel of peril that comes with these i must stress do not take this film too seriously it is hokum the science behind it is actually there's a glimmer of truth to that getting the sensors up into the into the cyclone itself the, yes that is what they had to do uh, they'd done it a few years pr prior to twister coming out uh, but the bit about surviving the tornadoes you know like joel said about the pipes at the end absolutely no way they would be dead <laughs> it would be dead there is no way of surviving that and it is hokum 
It is, and the, the regularity of tornadoes. I looked into this. Oklahoma gets about 68 tornadoes a year, and I think it gets like five in the space of three days. Hmm. In this one, not only that, that one county, you know, it's a big state, that one county they're in gets five in as many days. But you've got to speed things along. You know, the life of a meteor- meteorologist is not a fascinating one, I would say. It doesn't make for a good film, let alone a blockbuster, when people are just sat around, you know, watching barometers go around, recording pressure. <laughs> you know, it's like you yeah. want to see them chasing down a tornado. You want to see them, you know, chasing alongside it, trying to get these sensors up into it. You want an exciting film, and that's what this provides. Um, I've, I've never had to like, argue against some of the stuff that Alex said before. Before, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> he made it sound worse than Joel did. I, I, I did I though. I, I think I gave a good defense of that film. I, I do, I do like it a lot. Yeah, it's, it's... You, you did the Joel bloody Super Mario Brothers argument for a moment. <laughs> to be honest, Alex, I mean, I really like Bula Quo, but you know, we can't say that if that, if that makes it a good film. <laughs> Okay. But you see, this is this is what I'm up against here. And you know, to counter Gav's point of too many tornadoes, you know, although I say, yeah, it's not realistic how frequently they turn up. I can't say you've got too many tornadoes in a film called Twister, which is about guys chasing down tornadoes. You know, did arachnophobia have too many spiders? Did it? I don't think it did. <laughs> Some might the same type of spider. Some might say it did. Yeah, well, that's it. That's, that's the problem. But at least you've got different varieties of tornado here. You know, F1 to F5, they're keeping it fresh. And I just want to come back. I know we're going to go. Actually, no, I'm going to save Bill's fiance. My comeback yeah, on that. I'm going to save that to the characters. What I said or what Gav said. All of it. All of it, basically. I think I've got to rewrite the character for Ozzy here. Um, yeah, so it is absolute hokum in conclusion. It is a bizarre film and you know not a film you should take seriously for a moment don't even try and think about the science behind it although the science is actually there is a glimmer of accuracy to it don't try and overthink it enjoy it this is a blockbuster this is a summer blockbuster that only came second it was released the same year as independence day and it came second in the box office for the year behind independence day in 1996 this was meant for mass appeal not to bore people senseless with meteorology Hmm. this is an action film as much as it is a disaster film and it brought people into the cinema in droves and it gave them exactly what it wanted to see. Yeah, Dave, because yeah. I wanted to see Bill Paxton get minced up by a tornado. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been quite a departure at the end if it was just like debris just fills floating and just a stake goes through his heart. <laughs> then his limbs explode <laughs> and the gang will turn up just to see like their flopping torsos. Yeah, very different film. Not exactly the summer blockbuster material we were thinking but. Cool. Um, wait till you, I, one more thing. Wait till you see the fonts at the start, Ozzy. Oh my God, Ozzy. <laughs> wait till you see the introduction. To it. It's I mean, Jan de Bont, the same guy who did Speed. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. The, the man knows his fonts. So you can wait, man. You're in for a treat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gav, go on. Maybe a little touch on the, the script. We had a little mention from uh, Alex about some great, great lines. And, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. It's well, well delivered. You know, it's knowing um, almost the exact opposite of what you were saying here from. Mm-hmm from Dave and Alex, but go on, maybe a touch on script, tie yeah. it in some comebacks if you need to. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what Dave was saying before about likening it to, to Jaws and saying that uh, yeah, at the end of the day, this is an action film. You go there to watch the action. I would say that films like Jaws and like Jurassic Park did have more substance behind them and they had characters that actually had motivations and arcs and that you really cared about and, and dialogue that was actually interesting. The script here is just a complete mess. It just feels like the same thing over and over and over again, but bigger. When there's no tornado involved, the majority of the dialogue is vapid expository dialogue about tornadoes. The original script was written by Michael Crichton and Anne Mar- Anne-Marie Martin. 
and was based on the Jurassic Park formula. And this was one of the many films at the time that tried to capitalize on Jurassic Park and, you know, that type of film. The difference between dinosaurs and tornadoes, however, <laughs> and the terror and awe that they evoke is very, very different. But even if Michael Crichton were to have captured the same lightning in a bottle that he did with Jurassic Park in his initial treatment of this script, the fact is that it went through so many changes and amendments and rewrites that it was like turning train spotting a film about the high energy <laughs> drug scene in Edinburgh into a film about anorak wearing locomotive enthusiasts. Crichton's treatment wasn't working for the production team, so they brought in Josh Whedon to do a rewrite of it. He called bronchitis, so Steve Zalian was brought in to pick it up. Then Whedon later returned and re-revised the script again after Zalian's work until shooting began, but then he left again so he could go and get married. Two weeks into production, Jeff Nathanson was then brought in to rework the script in its entirety until principal photography ended. That's a, that is about like six rewrites in a very short amount of time, and it is plainly evident when you're watching this film that there were script issues because the dialogue is so mindless and vapid and any part of the plot that doesn't have a big tornado whirling around it is essentially pointless. But there were many other issues with the film that all, I think, contributed to this just being a bit of a, essentially the cinematic equivalent of a wet fart. There were multiple unplanned changes of filming location throughout production due to real life tragedies, scenery and locations not fitting with the Oklahoma aesthetic, weather causing untold problems. Uh, also, there was cast issues. So Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt were temporarily blinded by electronic lights that were being used for visual effects. Paxton and Hunt also had to receive hepatitis shots after filming the first F1 tornado scene after lying in an unsanitary ditch. In the same scene, We've all been there. <laughs> but in the same scene, Helen Hunt badly knocked her head, and in another scene later on in the film, she received a concussion after being hit on the side of the head by a, by a door. Jan de Bond described her as clumsy, to which Helen Hunt replied, "The guy burnt my retinas, and I'm clumsy." <laughs> like, multiple crew members walked out of the set five weeks into production because Jan de Bond was out of control, stating that he didn't know what he actually wanted until he sat down and saw it. So plan for this film is an absolute nightmare and when things went wrong it was everybody else's fault and not his and finally as Alex alluded to before we started recording in post-production it was identified that one scene involving Philip Seymour Hoffman's character he accidentally exposed his testicles <laughs> so he had to do CGI to augment the shot to remove that in post-production so essentially, you've got this fairly new director who seemed to be way over his head and too many writers resulting in a classic case here of too many cooks spoiling the broth. And when I say spoil the broth, I mean they probably pissed in it. <laughs> Sometimes your metaphors are, you know, are, are subtle, well thought out, really get me thinking. And other times, they are so on the nose. <laughs> Which one was that one, Ozzy? <laughs> that one, I think, was, was one of your finer finer moments but uh but i think there's one a little earlier about a wet fart uh <laughs> which didn't go unnoticed either um you, you completely lost me after you said that because all i could think about was what would be the cinematic equivalent of a wet fart. <laughs> <I know. laughs> so most action scripts are a little bit light they're a bit um the intent is to just keep things moving forward you mentioned that when there isn't a twister on the screen they're talking about tornadoes I think I, maybe I can forgive that. It's hard to know. You know, you, you, you do put up a very solid argument here that it could get a little, a little bit boring talking wise. 
when there's so many other things which we've alluded to that they should be talking about, maybe the marriage, maybe the divorce, whatever else. But you mentioned, and at the first I thought, oh, wow, they were doing their own stunts, you know, a bit like Jackie Chan. That sounds pretty, pretty interesting. <laughs> but, but you went on that, that potentially they weren't and it was actually just accidents on set. But uh, maybe we can go on to that. There must be some stunts. You mentioned the CGI. You mentioned that it is an action film. So there must be a whole host of set pieces that happen within this. You know, at least five, it strikes me. So uh, <laughs> F1, F2, F3, F4, F5. <laughs> Done. Done. Uh, how are they? And I imagine that they do get more intense as, as they go along. It would be yeah. Cool. The action's really good, and, and it's also like practical effects. So we're not looking at the miniatures that we were looking at in Independence Day, which I did think were quite great, though. Poor, but like the like, there's a sequence when the F5 comes along first, or is it an F4? I can't remember. The one that goes and and but like destroys the auntie's house, and it sort of sneaks up on them, and they go into this barn, and it's really well done. Like the the actual practical effects. I mean, in production, they actually took over entire sections of this town. They've now built a museum in this place. What 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 Wakata? I can't remember what, what, where it is exactly, but they actually had these houses and they destroyed the houses you know i think at one point when the truck explodes they the, the stunt went wrong and they redid the stunt because they wanted it to be done properly so you know the a lot of thought and a lot of extra money went into making sure these stunts were good this is when cgi was taken over and you know i won't repeat what dave said but the twisters are fantastic the tornadoes and it builds up obviously it's not real life because you want to go from an f1 you know you get into that f5 you know you got Chekhov's gun you can't tell me about an f5 without showing me an f5 at the end it's obviously going to be the end because like Dave, Dave said it's not real it's it's hokum uh, but the destruction is very good and it's actually quite perilous and there's some of the CGI when you've got floating this floating truck that's coming and it's practical effects and you are thinking how did they do that I really don't know I don't know how they did that you know and, and this is many many years later when we're quite used to looking at special effects and being like oh ha 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 I see the miniatures in Independence Day ha 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 I'm cleverer than you know all those people <laughs> put hours and hours into making it but you know in, in this one you really can't see it um you know and it's just funny you know the fact that at the end the, the F5 tornado can be defeated essentially with a belt and a pipe <laughs> do you know what I mean it's like it's absolutely <laughs> absurd and it's ridiculous but it's a way to get the characters into the center of a tornado and it's our just... job again <laughs> that's what every storm chaser should always take you know it should take a really 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 strong belt and you'll be absolutely fine basically but just just to quickly and I, you know and I'll finish on this just to quickly come back on you know Gav was saying about you know these big bits in the middle in between the tornadoes i don't think I, I think there's a lot more in this film especially like the love interest you know this film asks us questions like what is success you know what is success what you know and should we pursue an ideal of success if it contradicts who we are fundamentally this is what twister asks us and this is what i found if when, you've when, taken <laughs> that from twister i have not I've, i wrote it down myself i wrote it down myself oh, it must be true. I, you know, you know, this is you know, the, you know, Bill Paxton coming back to his real who he really is instead of selling out to the corporate man. And you know, it's not, it's not, it's not incredibly complex stuff, but it's stuff that keeps it going. And you've got enough of it that keeps the plot going. And then all of a sudden, there's another twister, and they all start shouting, and the brass starts playing, and the, a nice guitar solo when you see the tornado. You know, the music complements this film really, really well. And I won't, you know, I won't, I won't talk too much about characters because I've already spoken for a while, but. The characters are great and simple. This is, you know, when we're talking about a, a a natural disaster movie, like I said in Independence Day, I think the characters got a little lost in that one. 
the characters are front and center and they're nice and simple but they don't take away from the um they don't take away from the tornadoes and that's what jan de bont got helen hunt was pretty much unknown she was known for doing tv sitcoms and bill paxton you know they wanted to tip tom hanks at first but he picked these people specifically to not take away you know bill paxton and helen hunt are fantastic actors and lots of you know lots of the cast like philip seymour hoffman alan rook carrie elwes jake boosie they're all these ones that were sort of maybe not discovered but at least sort of pushed up by twister massively some for some of them so it's really really well cast for these simple characters you know if you'd had tom hanks in this film it might have taken away from the tornadoes but they are front and center with a really good supporting cast behind them cool speaking of massive bells joel do you want to tell me why the cast is the fourth? <laughs> I talk about oh, bells. That was good, that actually. <laughs> bells. Did you just make up a segue? <laughs> well, you were talking about bells earlier, and it was in my head that that's how I was going to swap. It was going to be. You just completely didn't zone out of everything else you said. You're like, I've got, got the next sentence I'm going to use. <laughs> so the cast. I mean, I mean, as Alex said, like some of the names on there, the the fine, you know, like at the time, like Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt were were big names and you know I've got no kind of issue with with the cast at all but it's the characters that I've got an issue with and the characters are all paper thin. Dave mentions that the main kind of bad guy in this is the twisters themselves and that's you know a, a lovely way of looking at it but as Gav mentioned it's actually like the other evil scientists that are portrayed as the bad guys and it should be that whoever you know wins we win at the end of the day, you know, like science wins type of thing. Um, but it's like this kind of dick measuring contest in terms of who can get their, you know, special device into the tornadoes first. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, if you think about it like that, it's the most ridiculous thing. Like they're doing it to kind of, you know, help mankind. But all they care about is who gets it in first. Um, <laughs> and also like speaking about these devices just a bit of a segue you know it's this device which is made for tornadoes and yet they're so massively fragile like the, if, if you tip them over it's game over and it's like they're made for tornadoes which is like the most one of the most volatile things that you can have on earth and they're so fucking fragile it's like there's just so many like annoying little things in this film but kind of back to the back to the characters yeah as i say the, the paper thin not for one moment do you, uh, you know, not believe that the, the two main characters, Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt, are going to end up together, you know. Even though, as Gav said again, Bill Paxton's got, like, a partner at the time. She just gets completely, you know, stabbed in the back, essentially. It's, it's that kind of era of Hollywood where you almost can't have a disaster movie or, um, you know, an action film without having some type of romantic subplot in it. And... Um, it just kind of paves way for watering the characters down even more, I think. Um, you know, it should be, as I mentioned, you know, at the start of this, it should have been more about the tornadoes and kind of finding out, you know, how they work and all that type of thing, rather than having all these kind of subplots to it, whether it's like evil scientists, you know, who gets their device in the tornado first, uh, you know. Amazing. Yeah, romance, <laughs> you know, romance. It, it, all it does is all this stuff serves to like convolute the story and water it all down. So yeah, in the end, it just kind of ends up being a watery pile of sloppy bollocks. So. <laughs> <laughs> a watery pile of sloppy bollocks. It's, it's quite... <laughs> uh, on that incredible visual, uh, Dave, 
Joel's saying that there's too many things going on and the characters aren't, aren't big enough to, to support it, essentially. But, you know, Alex is saying quite the opposite, that although they're simple characters, they're, 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 they're meaningful and you care for them. What, what's, your, what's your thoughts? Uh, I agree with Alex entirely. I think uh, the characters, they are there to support the action set pieces. You know, this is a disaster film. It's an action blockbuster. Like I mentioned with Independence Day, you know, you don't really go into that much depth about your cast when it comes to a disaster film. There's no need to. You know, you just, you've got to care about them just enough that you want them to survive, that you're with them on this journey. And, you know, you feel the, the tension and the thrills and the chills as much as they are doing this film does that in droves. It gives you exactly what you need. And these are likable characters. You know, even, even Jonas is fun to have on screen, played by Carrie Elways. And I, I dispute, I've, I've already pointed out that Joan will try to help Jonas. It is about the science at the end of the day. It's just Jonas is a bit of an ass. Uh, you know, and Dot is fragile. Yes, the machine they've made, but that's why it's a lot of trial and error. It doesn't fly first time because they've not got quite got the design right. They've not got the funding to make it any better than that. It is, it is more or less a trash can filled with sensors, but they've got to adapt the sensors. They've got to like put these foil on them so they, uh, they spiral more and they can be taken up by the cyclone. They've got to weight Dot down. You know, they, they learn as they go along. And as far as learning about twisters themselves, I think that's one of the reasons why they had to rewrite Michael Crichton's script michael Crichton. if you've ever read any of his books like jurassic park he gets a little bogged down in the science mm. the man researches brilliantly <laughs> when he researches a scientific subject he goes right balls in deep. i was gonna say balls deep. i was gonna say balls deep. <laughs> I tried to stop i tried to stop myself don't fight it but <laughs> he goes all in on making sure that he researched the scientific content but he can go a little too far you've read jurassic park or or pray yeah, you'll you'll see that's the, the case there's a good two chapters where you're just like michael i don't care Can yeah i don't care about genetics. On, i want to see a dinosaur just, just chase just get the child dinosaurs chasing michael it's, so i think I don't got believe a little, you anyway. he got a little way laid and gav is right there was there was a lot of problems behind the camera on this one uh jan Demont seems like quite an erratic individual but he knew what he wanted he had a vision and he said the reason why he was so passionate why he was quite difficult on set was because he thought this could be one of the last blockbusters that wasn't made on a soundstage. Uh, that was his prediction while he was making it. And it turns out he was actually right. This is the last one that was actually filmed on location in Oklahoma. It was done without sound stages and green screens. It was for a large part practical effects and then CGI tornadoes put in later. The effects were so good, it got an Oscar nomination. It only lost out to Independence Day last week's film. So although he was difficult, he had a vision for this and he was right. He was right. This was the only way to execute it. And yeah, there were some injuries on set, but when you're using practical effects, this happens. Name a film with uh, with big stunt sequences, you know, that doesn't have a couple of injuries picked up. Nothing too Pretty dangerous. Fire. And, you know, Hoffman's yeah. testicles. Did anyone got hurt in uh, Blues Brothers? They had some big ones. They did. And I, and I bet you a couple of the drivers got injured. Yeah, they must I bet have. you. I bet those, you. Those police cars were only one day away from retirement. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Hoffman's testicles. I mean, I don't see what the problem is there. They didn't, it's not like they left them in. You know, they, they, they removed them at the end. I of wish the, they had. It would, it would <laughs> enhance the film. Testicles. And as yeah. far as CGI, you can say, oh, it costs money to do that. It's like this film, you know, it, it made five times what it cost to make. You know, it, it grossed just under $500 million. You know, this was a huge success. So any money they spent was money well spent, I believe. Um, and as for the cast, yeah, like I say, the characters are good. I like the script. The dialogue is good. It gives you just enough about the characters that you entertain, that you want to follow them. I want to come to the defense of uh, Melissa in this, which is Bill Paxton uh, or Bill Harding. There's a character, his, fia his fiance, who has kind of been given a raw deal here. Her character is actually very important. It is the way of basically 
because she's an everyman, she is not of this from this meteorology background. She's come in like we have into this team, this very close team. And you can tell by the, the, the camaraderie, the friendship that this close team will have. Even Bill, who's been out of the game for a bit, he comes back and it's like they, they welcome him back like he's never been gone. She is us. You know, we were kind of feel like we're encroaching on this team and we're following them on this adventure. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what an F5 is, if there even is an F5. She is the way we can get this dialogue out there in a natural way. It's not forced. It's not It's not coming out of nowhere. Her dialogue and her interactions is the way we learn more about the film. Without they, That's the explanation is to her. It's Robert. more or less to her, yeah. Like even when Dusty's trying to explain about the suck zone, I don't think anyone actually calls it the suck zone, but he's putting it in layman's terms. <laughs> <laughs> I think he does. I'm sure he does. He does. He does. I don't think anyone else does it. <laughs> I don't think it's actually what it's called either. You know, but Put he just drives the van. He's not a meteorologist. It's like the only character that doesn't have doctor in front of his name. He doesn't know what it's called. But um, but that's it. Just these these layman explanations to like give you enough information that you know what's going on. That's what she's there for. And also, despite the fact that she seems like this obstacle to Joe and Bill ultimately getting back together, you don't dislike her for one point. You like her. She's funny. She gets some some of the funniest lines are hers, to be honest with you. She's this great fish out of water character that has just been immersed in the, with these people that seem like lunatics to her. These passionate meteorologists that care about their science and care about doing a good job, but they seem crazy to anyone on the outside and that is us looking in she is us in this scenario she's a very important character and, and fits the bill very well and jamie gertz i thought was great in the role and then helen hunt and bill paxton like we said they, they became good friends on the set of this film you can see they have chemistry they like each other you are willing them to get back together whatever's gone on before let it be you know and and you, you're willing them to succeed in this project this passion project of joe because she's trying to like make sure no other Families are ripped apart by a tornado, not, not literally ripped apart by a tornado, but families <laughs> literally, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, in some cases, literally, but families that have lost someone or you know, have lost their homes. She's trying to prevent what happened to her when she was little, happened to someone else. And Bill himself, he's just got this, this knack with the weather, like Alex says, you know, they call him like a human barometer. He's just got this like sixth sense for weather. That's why he's such a good storm chaser. That's why he's one of the best out there. And you just, you just feel for these characters. You like the characters, don't take them too seriously. Don't be wondering, I want more backstory. I want to know why he is the way he is. You know, you know, Bill Paxton even says to Dusty, why don't you take Melissa over there and tell her how you became the way you are. Because and, the suck zone. Yeah, because of the suck zone. <laughs> you never get that explanation. You don't need that explanation. We don't need to know why Dusty is the way he is or why any of them are the way they are. We care about this story, this adventure they're in right now. That's a disaster film. We only care about the here and now, and it gives us it in droves. It gives us enough. It, These it, are good it, characters. This is a good script. Because you can tell Dusty finds life hard outside of a tornado season, can't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, think, things things aren't going well for Dusty outside yeah. of a tornado when there's a tornado season he's happy <laughs> enough and he's i love, philip, I love philip seymour hoffman in this again yeah. he's you know he's that a lot of the characters because the scientists are talking about twists they can take themselves too seriously dusty is the last person to take himself seriously he's the fun one you know he's the one you go for a beer but you'd leave after half an hour because he's annoying but for the Man, moment you go for a beer with him before anyone else because he seems and fun you- when you realised you were looking at his cock because he was <laughs> his leg, you'd, you'd have to go I think, that, I think that's a Hoffman problem, not a Dusty one. Remember, they edited it out from Dusty's life. That's a Hoffman thing. Yeah. Fantastic. Can, can, All right. can I just come um, back very, very quickly on something? You can, but can you then go straight into your closing argument? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, I, I, contrary to what Dave was saying there, I had the exact opposite in that Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton really didn't get on during filming. 
and it was quite frosty afterwards. And I thought that you could actually feel that when you were watching this film. It it didn't really feel like a like a real romance, to be honest. At no point did I think, oh yeah, they've been married for fifteen years or whatever. And I think that it, reading interviews with Helen Hunt afterwards, it says that because both actors had such a horrible time filming this, so many injuries, so many accidents, so many issues, they just created a bit of a frosty atmosphere amongst the cast. And I think that was really visible when you're watching this. And I do agree with Dave, though, that the audience is in the perspective of Meredith and she is our sort of avatar. Melissa. So, who did I say? Meredith. Meredith. <laughs> a sort of unforgettable name. Um, so, so, yeah, in that, you know, where... where it, she's our avatar in that you know halfway through the film she massively loses interest and fucks off <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I will say i, that... I just like to say it's just before the end <laughs> but this film is just a series of people driving in trucks quite close to tornadoes but never getting sucked into tornadoes tell that to carrie and having very very generic tornado heavy dialogue like wow did you see that tornado and oh my is that a cow there you know there is not much else to this film he's paraphrasing honest. Aussie he's paraphrasing <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. you'll watch not, it and you'll know he's a liar <laughs> there's not much more to this film the plot outside of the tornadoes is barely existing the dialogue between the characters is just bad and the characters themselves are so paper thin that a very light summer breeze could tear through them similar to Twister this film both sucks and blows uh, Joel, I assume yours is a bit more of a wet, sloppy, um, what did you call it before? Uh, watery, sloppy pile of balls or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Good, good, solid, uh, <laughs> offensive there. Which one of the uh, defence would like to do the closing argument? I haven't got a lot to say. It's just, it's bonkers and it's fun. And, you know, Gav's trying to rip it down by saying about all these problems offset, which many films have. I don't really care if Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt never spoke again. I don't really care. Like, they, they did well in this film. They're good actors. And so they acted very well when they were on it. And, and as for, you know, reshoots and rewrites, it doesn't show because the film's just, it's you're not going to be putting it under that microscope. It's not Romeo and Juliet. You're not interested in this 15 years marriage that's gone on beyond because you're on to the next twister. It's just a lot of fun. It's bonkers enough. You can laugh at it. I stand by that, but that's not as bad as I'm making it sound out. You also laugh with it and it's just, it's just a fun ride. And it's not that long as well. It doesn't outstay its welcome. Okay, Dave. Yeah, I just want to reiterate what Alex says. This is a lot of fun, and that's all it's meant to be. You know, there's a reason why, with the practical effects and everything, this got made into a uh, like a soundstage experience at Universal Studios, similar to the Batdraft experience. You know, when a film uses such practical effects, it's such a good effect. You want to show the audience what you've done. And this is one of the last, we don't really get that anymore. It's one of the last films to do that. Everything is now soundstage and green screen. So it's uh, it's like a callback to the last days of practical effects. And Jan de Bon, although it caused a lot of problems on set, he got good results out of it. He knew this was like the closing, the end of an era for making films with a practical effect. And he got it right. You know, any problems that went on behind the screen, Alex is absolutely right. You don't see it. It doesn't translate. And although the characters, you know, I like them. I think they're funny. I think they're endearing. The star of the show are the twisters. These, these special effects that got an Oscar nomination. You know, they, that's the star of the show. And that's what people turned up in their droves to see in the cinema. And they got it many times over. This is a superb disaster film. I would argue the, the I think uh, Kat put it well when she said the best weather themed disaster film 
<laughs> yeah, I'd, 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 I think that would be, be a good way to call it. Good I, would, I would stand by that. And, Technically, and, uh, it's also the worst as well. I can't remember any other weather-based. Oh, I'd, I'm sure there's another one. I'm sure there's another one. Uh, yeah, that's all I have to say. Twisters are doing it for themselves. Hey. <laughs> well done. Good. Great good flourish. Um, and with these flourishes, does someone have a fantastic quiz? I've got oh, a quiz. quiz. I have a quiz. I have yeah. a quiz. I'll leave it up to you. So in this film, there is some uh, pretty horrendous product placement. Sorry to put the boot in again as part of my quiz. <laughs> oh, no, he's but, right. He's right. But there is, there is, there, there is, especially especially since a lot of the film is like going against the corporate man. And then it's just a huge Pepsi commercial at the end, like literally Pepsi. Pepsi saves the day. So I'm going to talk about what other horrendous product placement was in the following film. So I'm going to say the film. And you've got to tell me what the horrendous uh, product placement was. Okay, so starting off with the film that is often seen as a breakthrough for horrendous product placement, 1982, E.T. Do you know what the product placement was? Oh, uh, bicycles. I can give you a clue. Blankets. It's not, it's something that the kid uses to, you know, to lure Lure ET out. Oh, is he lure him out like Hershey's or Hershey's or something? Close. Reese's Pieces. Dave gets it. Ah, Reese's Pieces. Well done, Dave. It is Reese's Pieces, and it worked. Uh, It got a sixty-five percent jump as a result of it. So, if he'd have had a nutology, that would have been a short film. (laughs) 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 EpiPen. EpiPen. There was a film. In 1927, that is seen as being the first film, Wings, which is about pilots. Uh, does anyone know what famous American chocolate bar was used in the first product placement? Uh, Hershey's. Hershey's. Ozzy gets it. It was Hershey's bar. Risky business in 1983. What was the product placement? Bam. Didn't he like have like a Pepsi and a macaroni cheese or something? He possibly did, but it's not seen as the most famous one, I'm afraid. He it's, probably it's, did. It's ballies, were they no, it's ballies, but it is something he's wearing while he's wearing his ballies. Ray-Bans. Yes, Ray-Bans. And it worked so well that Ray-Ban actually did it again in Top Gun and made his made and like spent the money on the aviators and got a 40% jump in sales. Toy Story in 95, there are two bits of product placement in Toy Story. The Do you know what they are? I was going to say, aside from the toys themselves. <laughs> no, 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 but two specific toys, because obviously Woody and Buzz weren't real oh, toys yeah. until oh, uh, Mr. Potato Head. Mr. Potato Head is one. And the Springy, Springy Dog. Slinky Not dog. the Springy Dog, he didn't exist. T-Rex? Um, nope. Oh, the well, I mean, sketch. probably. The etch sketch well done, Gav. It was the etch sketch okay. The uh, I know I'm sounding like I sound a bit corporate here, but I did find it interesting. There was an 800% jump in sales for Mr. Potato Head and I for etch sketches <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and Checking, this all won the previous year. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah, eight the next year. It's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> well done. I had uh, an 800% increase in my intake of potatoes after watching. Think <laughs> <laughs> we all probably did. And the Etch a Sketch had a 4,500% oh, jump wow. in sales after it. So it definitely works. Um, you got mail, 1998. Windows. Yeah, a little bit. I'll give you that one, Joel. But there was a bigger one. He starts talking about this. He has actually has a sequence where he's just advertising. 
a Starbucks. He just basically talks about all the different size cups in Starbucks, basically. <laughs> it's very odd. It is very odd. Going on to, and Gav, I'll, you can only get this if you give the quote as well as the answer. <laughs> I already know exactly I'll give you two is. points if you can tell me already what I'm going to say. Go on. Hey, Spooner. <laughs> Amazing. Gav gets uh, five points. Um, for guessing the question as well. Uh, that is, what film was that, Gav? It was iRobot. Yes. And the product placement was the horrendous product placement of Converse shoes throughout it. It's iConverse, isn't it? Isn't that what it's <laughs> yeah. called? It's actually insane. It's uh, it's unbelievable question. when you watch it. Say again? So the last question. No, no, no. There's more. Sex oh. and the City 2. Oh, oh bam. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, <Go> on, <laughs> fucking Pringles. Yeah, mini Pringles. She she literally at one point picks up the pot and goes, Wow, mini Pringles in a pot? What will they think of next? <laughs> it's, uh, it's absolutely incredible. Castaway. Bam. Footballs. Oh, yeah. Not for not oh no, but do you know what? I will I will oh, give you one thing. I've got it. Uh, FedEx. It is FedEx, massively FedEx. Oh, yeah. They basically see not as people who just move shit from one place to the other, but saints. I think the sort of the film talk. Also, <laughs> abandoned employees. For, for <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> them off massively. Um, the intern shit. Yeah, bam. Google. Yeah, yeah Google. Fucking horrendous uh, product placement. Goldeneye. This was an interesting one. Um, not the uh, a watch. Not a watch. Not a car. Ah, yes, it was. It was the BMW 23 Roadster. They spent three million advertising it in the film, and in advance sales, they got 240 million. So wow. you can you can never go against the product placement, but it fucking works, doesn't it? I mean, and yeah. Last... If, you, if you were making a James Bond film, you'd just sit there and let the directors of these car companies come to you, like, who wants <laughs> to be in the next Bond film? Who's got a briefcase <laughs> full of money? Yeah. Right, and the last question. <laughs> Back to the future. There's so much. I will give a point to anyone. Just shout them out. Back the shoes. Yeah. Calvin Klein's. Yeah. Pepsi. Yeah. Big uh, one you're missing. Guitar, the, the, DeLoreans. Yeah. DeLoreans. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is um, the big one. Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry. <laughs> all, all very good. Well done, guys. You're pretty good on knowing your product placement in films. Uh, well, and well the done, winner, and the winner of the to... quiz was me, I think, for giving a really good quiz. <laughs> and no, Gav, you know, Gav no, was that a, was a really, really good, really good quiz. Thank you very much, Alex. Thanks, and we'll also say that Alex's quiz today was sponsored by Freddo. <laughs> <laughs> Chocolatey frog-shaped treat. You know we're doing corporate sponsor on because we've not actually received any money for plugging Freddos for so many years. You know what? Don't eat Freddos. They taste like shit. I think. I think what what would happen if Freddos ever found out would they would sue us? I think like we'd we'd probably owe them quite a lot of money rather than the other way around. Yeah, let's keep it keep it to ourselves. Be more, I'd be more worried when the uh, the, the America the US post office starts coming to get us for all of the chocolate we've been sending across. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Be like that scenario where somebody took one of those frogs to Australia and they just like <laughs> took over the environment. Oh, well, we did, <laughs> yeah. did send a couple to Washington. Australia. So we Addicted probably have Freddos. impacted Do you reckon these Freddos have like, you know, bred with Australian chocolate and really fucked up the uh, <laughs> <laughs> the chocolate diversity system down there? Don't think UK chocolate can cope with the, uh, the, the heat. That's going to be the biggest uh, issue for me about climate change, to be honest with you, that the chocolate's going to have to change consistency. Mm. Uh, a bit more. <laughs> it stays hard in the... Uh, in the heat. I think it's I a know. disaster movie uh, itself. Everyone has probably <laughs> <in the heat. laughs> 
Uh, anyway, thank you very much for a great quiz, Alex. That was very enjoyable. And, you know, it was um, almost a laugh a minute and it, it brought a lot of uh, a lot of discussion to the table here. I've got a lot of food for thought going forward. But in the meantime, what I was trying to think about was who wins the who wins the main uh, the main show, the debate itself. And I found it pretty difficult because there were some good arguments both ways. And I know that Alex is, you know, a fan of an action film when you're not taking it too seriously. He he does enjoy that. So I can see him being quite uh, honest about his uh, his feelings in this. Dave, you know, Dave's good at pulling out some great arguments when they don't necessarily exist. He's very good at tweeting. Uh, <laughs> There's a word for that. <laughs> yeah, he's very good at he's pretty he very rarely lies, but he does often expand the on the bits he really believes. So um, you know, and glosses over the others. So um so it is tough with Dave. Joel, however, very rarely minces his words. Um so <laughs> I feel like there is there is a good a good chance that this is a, a wet, sloppy testicle of a film. But then is that a bad thing? Second, but it was only second to Independence Day. That's a very strong argument. You know, and Independence Day is a great film. I stand by it. And and unlike uh, unlike Gav, if somebody were to tell me they didn't like Independence Day, I would be quite shocked, uh, to be perfectly honest. Um it's a tough one, but the swinging vote probably is Gav. And um, he tried to do my tactic, I think, which is getting as many digs as early on and <laughs> surreptitiously throughout the film. I think actually it might be a relatively good film and he didn't really have enough conviction behind his arguments. So it might, I don't think it's going to be the best possible film in the world. I, I, I vaguely remember it. So just in case I do remember it, I'm going to say my, my verdict now and then I'm going to say, ask you guys straight after, is it this film? So I'm going to say it's going <laughs> very, very marginally on the hit list. Very, very hey. marginally. Is well done, it, guys. is the main device just a load of like... Little balls. Balls, yeah. Yeah, it is what Dave said. It's like a trash can with little balls in. Yeah. Right there. In my head, yeah. when you were describing, it's like, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe it's the thing from Thor, and they throw these little silver balls in the air. But that's Twister, yeah. Yeah, I, thought, I, 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 I should have. Con see why you get <laughs> <laughs> I should have concentrated on how shit that was. I've, I've missed that off. Um, so, just uh, genuine opinions. Then, what did we all think? Uh, I'm gonna go first. That's all right, guys. I, I, I remember watching this film in the '90s and thinking that it was a bit shit and a bit mindless uh, so i was really interested to watch it again to see if my opinion had changed over time and it had to be honest it had changed i thought it was much worse than originally thought <laughs> yeah I, I did not like it one word that alex and dave kept on using throughout this was fun and i did not have a fun time i really fucking struggled like once i'd seen one tornado i was like oh great there's another tornado it's the same stuff over and over again um, so yeah, so I didn't I didn't like it, but I I, I can't I can see where uh, why once again but the opposite side of the coin from the Independence Day argument I was saying before I can't see why people would like this film then, um, Joel. Yeah, I re kind of opposite to you. I remember watching this at the time and and loving it, but I think as you get older, like it takes a little bit more to kind of pull the wool over your eyes. And you know, I was quite truthful about what I said when there's a tornado like every single day. 
and each one kind of slowly ramps up to like a master tornado and it just happens to be this one that they have to put the balls inside (laughs) 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 so yeah like i i didn't really enjoy it good i think it's just you know i've aged and the film's aged type of thing but at the time i did like it so unless you've got a time machine i don't think you know kids today are going to absolutely love it unfortunately so i would have put it on the shit list probably thanks joel alex I liked it. I did like it and I do like it. I, I will watch this film again. I will always regularly watch Twister. And the tornadoes, I think those sequences are fun, but I actually watch it for the in-between bits because I find those just hilarious. Like the, the group of guerrilla scientists, like they are just kind of hateful in a way, like the Philip Seymour Hoffman, do you know what I mean? They're just an annoying bunch. Like, you know, I feel very much like Melissa in the sense of you just be wanting to get as far away from these people as possible, but they're very fun to watch because you've got Philip Seymour Hoffman doing it. So it's bonkers well, and it's fun. Don't you see that you're watching it for the wrong reasons then? Yeah, but it doesn't matter because it's just, <laughs> it's still, I'm still enjoying watching Twister. It's not like Mario Brothers where it's just like, God, this is just dog shit. It's just good enough where you can enjoy it as a film. And it's just bad enough where you can be like, oh my God, like that, those characters are so irritating. But so so I always do enjoy watching Twister. It's a very, it's an odd one. I don't think there's any other film really like Twister that annoys me and entertains me in about the same balance. To be <laughs> probably Alex... isn't another film as well with a testicle cut, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, more than you think. More okay, than you. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll be looking out for it from now on. Uh, yeah, I told you the other day as well, there is a cut of Watchmen out there where you see uh, <laughs> Billy Crudup's big blue penis. It's out there, guys. Find it. And finally, Dave, I'm very interested to hear your opinion on this one. I love Twister. <laughs> I think it's great. I, I, I've watched it. I think I watched it sometime last year, you know, just without the pressure of the trial. You know, obviously I watched it last week Same. with this coming up, but I, I love <laughs> Twister. I really do. I, I think it's a great film. It's it's absolute hokum. It's it's absolutely insane. You know, the script is not that good. You know, the, the special effects have aged a bit now. I thought they were great at the time. They were groundbreaking for the time they've aged now. But the film is just so much fun. It is like a roller coaster ride. It really is. And it's like, sure, you, you, you queue in to ride the roller coaster and you can see the loop. You know how it's going to end. You know, there's not going to be any surprises along the way. You're just going to enjoy the ride. That's what this film is. This is blockbuster fodder at its best. You know, this is what 90s blockbusters were all about, as far as I'm concerned. And I genuinely love it. I could be entertained by this film. Again, I could put it on right now when we finish recording. And I'll sit here quite happily and watch Twister all over again. Yeah. I just enjoy it. It's not yeah. a great film. It's not great. It's not necessarily that well made, but there's just something so enjoyable about it. And isn't that <laughs> a hit film at the end of the day, gentlemen? <laughs> isn't it? Is God, it? Got, isn't it though? I, I've You're got a tear coming to my eye. Put things so nicely, Dave, that I find it hard to disagree with you. Yeah, essentially, Ozzy, if you, to summarise there, you had two people who said it was shit and two other people who said it was, wasn't good. <laughs> but yeah. they it. <laughs> okay, so yeah. higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which was Independence Day, which scored 67% and 75% critical and audience Tuffin. scores I'm gonna on, go on lower. Tomatoes. I'm going to go higher but lower critical. Based on that, it's got to be lower. You know, it's 100% of the room here. So it wasn't very good. <laughs> no, I'd say lower critical. As, as I'm saying, if you break it down, yeah, it's not that good. But as an audience member, you're going to enjoy it. So I'd say yeah. lower critical, higher audience. Yeah. 
Uh, well, it's actually lower on both. So oh. 63%, so not that different to the critical score. But here's where it's interesting. 58% audience scores. I, I Similar to you, Dave, I thought it was going to be quite high audience scores. I thought it's going to be one of those films that critics didn't really like that much, but the audience absolutely loved. But maybe, you know, that it's taken into account reviews since 1996 and maybe people watching well, it for the first time. Very possible. It's it, very possible. It is batshit, so you know it's fair enough. Do you know? What I, mean? I think fifty eight is probably yeah. around about right. It's just yeah, it's, it's not going to win any awards, is it? No. It's it's like you know watching Piranha these days or something like that. You know? yeah, yeah. Wasn't there another film like about twisters? I see. I just remember like a twister catching on fire or being like an electric twister or something. I know what you like mean. Geostorm? What was that? G- no, it wasn't Geostorm. It was like in the nineties, but I know what you mean. Like something goes on fire and it sucks the fire up. Into yeah, and it's a like tornado. a fire twister. So, did you think that was going to happen when you're watching it with the truck? Because that's are what you, I thought. Are well. you thinking of the end of Hercules, where he uses the Cyclone Titan to like whip up the lava Titan and the ice I'm, Titan? We I might don't even be. know what. You sure that wasn't a dream? Oh, Joel's right. It was a dream again. It was a dream. Okay, so thank you very much for your arguments, guys, and thank you very much, Ozzy, for your verdict there. And uh, yeah, thank you to everybody who has listened to this episode. We do really appreciate everybody who takes the time out to listen to this if you want more films on trial content go on filmsontrial.co.uk check us out on any streaming platform and check us out on most social networks so uh, at film trials on twitter and films on trial on everything else so our natural disaster season continues in two weeks time when we're going to be hurtling into your ears like an asteroid hitting the earth in armageddon so what have we learned today guys well we've learned that there does exist a cut of Twister that features Philip Seymour Hoffman's testicles, and we want that cut. <laughs> but ultimately, also, that Twister is a hit film, and we're going to be directly in your ears in two weeks' time with Armageddon. Goodbye. Uh, so it's quite funny, halfway through the recording, we realised that Alex, Joel, and I are dressed like characters from Star Trek, and they are dressed like characters from Star Wars. <laughs> hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. Unlucky Joel. <laughs> hey, hey, you're, hey, yeah. you're the red shirt, man. <laughs>